The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for the news information and strategies you need to build your own financial independence in the hottest asset in investing today, small residential real estate. And today we're talking about something that um, every real estate investor runs across at some point earlier or perhaps later in their real estate career, and that is dealing with those contractors that come and fix things for us and renovate properties for us and do all the things that uh, we cannot or do not want to do and how to Find, hire, negotiate with, deal with, and when necessary, fire those people. With me today to discuss this important topic is Mr. Jerry Fink, past president of the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, property owner for decades and decades and decades. Stop there. And a guy who has... I said, I said four Three. of them. That was about right. <laughs> and a guy who has overseen over 100 renovations and dealt with contractors on every single solitary one of them. If you have questions about issues dealing with contractors, you can give us a call here in the studio. If you're listening to my voice through your radio, you can call us locally at 772-9658. If you're listening on the internet, call us toll-free from any place in the world at 877-772-9658 or send a question with your email via email uh, by going to askvena.com. So, Jerry contractors and dealing with contractors and problems with contractors and, 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 and is probably the biggest unsolved mystery (laughs) in our business. Everybody complains about it. Nobody knows what to do about it exactly. You know, people, people, uh, if if they get a good whatever roofer, plumbing guy, uh, they want to hold on to him for dear life. And if they retire, quit, move, whatever, we don't know what to do about it. It's time we just all knew what to do about it. So you have hired, I don't even know how many zillions of contractors. I don't either. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's start with how do you find the good ones? Okay. Um, finding the good ones is, it's a process. Um, you have several different options on where you're going to find them to begin with. Um, what, a good source, obviously, is your Real Estate Investors Association. 
um, any any RIA group or any kind of a property owners association around the country uh, will have people who are doing rehabs, and they will have contractors, and you just network with them and start you know asking them who they use as their roofer or, or whatever. That's one of the really really good ways. Um, another one is um, Craigslist is actually a, a good place to find contractors. Mm-hmm. Um, you put an ad out there, you know, pretty clear about what it is that you're looking for, and it, it's amazing how many responses you'll get to that. Another one is um, any kind of a supply house. If you're looking for a plumber, you go to the plumbing supply house and you talk to them and you, t- you ask them something along the lines of, if you were having work done to your own house, who is it? that comes in here that you would use. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a good way to, to get some good leads. Mm-hmm. Now, once once you've found them, um, it's, a, it's a very interesting phenomenon that once you find a good one, you find a good roofer, he knows the good electrician. He knows the good plumber. Um, conversely, the ones who aren't so good know the ones that aren't so good. So, you know, once you tap into that vein of, of good, solid contractors, you just kind of use the referral method and um, and ask them who it is that they use or would use if they had a particular issue that they were dealing with. So that's a the primary ways that I that I go about getting contractors. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think is so difficult for uh, small business people, which is what we are, if we're rehabbing three or four houses a right. year, in working with other small business people, which is what the contractors are, right. is that uh, there's no there's no Home Depot for contractors. You can't walk mm-hmm. in and compare prices and say, well, they, you know, they have it at, at one price over here and a different price over here. And it, it tends to be the case that the real estate investor, the guy who's getting the house rehabbed, wants to pay the minimum poss- minimal possible price for the best possible work. And the contractor, of course, wants the highest possible price to do the minimal work that he possibly can. How does someone who's rehabbing their first house even know what good contractor means? I mean, h- how do we know that they're going to do a good job before they've done it? How do they know? How do we know that their prices are right before we've done it a million times like you have? Okay, well, you got about seven questions in there. I'll try to try to pick <laughs> through them one at a time. Uh, the first one is how do you, you know? How do you know if they're any good? Um, referrals, you know, ask them for references. And uh, one of the interesting techniques that I use is I ask them for three good references and one bad because there is nobody who has never had anybody upset with them. And the reason that you ask for the bad one is you talk to that person and find out how they handled the situation because that's really what's important. No project is ever going to go 100% according to plan. It's just not going to happen. But when something does go wrong, are they willing to step in and do what it takes to make it right? So the References is a very big part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think what you're pricing, pricing, pricing. Oh, pricing. I, yeah. I, I hear. I mean, I'll, we'll, I'll go to a RIA meeting and I'll hear people say, "I replaced a roof on approximately you know a, a ranch house, a twelve hundred right. square foot ranch house, and the prices they're paying are anywhere from you know thirty five hundred dollars to seven thousand right. dollars for exactly the same roof." Right. Okay. So there again is that's very good to have. A network of people that you can talk to and um, you know if you talk to three different rehabbers in your in your RIA group you're gonna get three different answers but you'll at least have an idea of what's reasonable um, you know if we're gonna make money in this business we cannot use Sears 
pricing. You know, sorry to anybody out there that works for Sears, but um, I, <laughs> do they know. even do that anymore? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, oh, yeah. they still do that. Twelve thousand dollar roofs, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, we cannot pay those kind of prices, so we've got to find the the people who will do the quality work at a reasonable price. And again, the network is the best way to do that. Um, short of that, you're going to go into a, a um, competitive bid situation. You're going to try to get two or three people from that particular trade to look at the job and give you the bid. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not necessarily going to take the lowest one. I mean, that is not necessarily the best thing to do. Um, time is a huge, huge uh, aspect of this. I assume we'll get into that a little bit later. But if it takes somebody two weeks to put the roof on, uh, on a lot of my projects, I want to be done and gone, you know, before they would even have the roof done. Mm-hmm. So time is a huge piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, time, quality, um, ease of working with people is a huge thing um i have this concept that i call the crybaby contractor i have no time for them (laughs) you know it's just if if you if you're not a big boy and can't come and do your work as you're supposed to you know i don't want to work with you so a lot of those things come into play as well as just the the price Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're listening to real life real estate investing today we are talking about the entire process of dealing with contractors my guest today is Jerry Fink, and he is here for, amongst other reasons, to take your questions about contractors, contractor issues, how to find them, how to negotiate with them, etc. 877-772-9658 is our toll-free number here in the studio, or you can send an email to askbina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Abina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Jerry Fink. We're talking about contractors and two things you need to know about Jerry. Number one, he is the main speaker at tomorrow night's Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meeting. That's at the usual location at the CAA building at the corner of Reading and Seymour. Be there at 7.30 to hear Jerry or at 6 o'clock to uh, hear one of our beginner or active investor sessions. You can get more information about that at CincinnatiREIA.com, CincinnatiREIA.com. The other thing you need to know is that uh, Jerry has a uh, contractor contract. There's a reason they're called contractors. They're supposed to sign contracts. (laughs) And the contracts are supposed to say things like, what happens if you don't finish when you said you were going to finish? And who's carrying the insurance? Really? I know you said you were, but (laughs) who's really doing it? And he has been good enough to make a copy of that contractor agreement available to real-life real estate listeners. All you have to do is go to askvina.com and fill out your name and email address, and uh, we'll pop that back to you. And it is, of course, a a start because many of our listeners are scattered all over the United States. So read it over. If you have any questions about it, take it to an attorney locally and have it looked at. But... Um, it's a it's a great start because it covers all of the different facets of uh, the, the things we don't even think about until something goes wrong. Right. And uh, we appreciate that very much, Jerry. Again, that's askvina.com if you'd like to download a copy of Jerry's contractor agreement. Um, you know, we could just do a whole show on contractor horror stories. I mean, oh, just, yeah. just heck, you and I could just tell our horror stories. Uh, but <laughs> some of the most common ones that you hear around, okay, are the contractor that has the winning bid. You know, maybe, like you said, maybe it's not the low bid, but maybe they can get started faster or whatever. And then they get halfway through a job 
and they evaporate. Mm -hmm. And God help you if the halfway through the job was they ripped the roof off, but didn't start to put it back on. What should an, a, a, a rehabber do if their contractor disappears on them like that? Well, that that's one that, that does happen, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, obviously depending on which uh, particular trade it is, if it's a roofer, you got to obviously take care of that real fast. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, just your normal contractor, you're going you're gonna to try to make contact with them, try to get things back on track. And if you can't, I mean, you have to terminate them. I mean, you, you, you cannot sit and wait, around and wait. Like I said, one of the biggest costs that you have is your holding costs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the longer you sit on something, you know, the more money you don't make. Mm-hmm. So th- you have to go ahead and terminate them. Um, there's, a, there's actually a process that I go through to terminate somebody. There's a, uh, a form that I use. Um, basically, I, I exchange what's called a lien waiver. It says I have been paid in full for everything that I've done for their last check. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a key point, too. Uh, many times when we hear this story, the person saying, but I can't fire them because I have already paid them for all the work and all the work hasn't been done and right. I lose all that money if I if they don't come back. So I guess I'm just going to sit here and wait for them to come back. How do we avoid that? Well, <laughs> again, once you once you know that you've got a bad one, you've got to get rid of them. It's, um, it's hard. <laughs> Nobody likes to do it, but you have to do it. Uh, again, because you're, you're sitting on holding costs every day that you have that thing. So the best thing that you can do is just go ahead and, you know, just knuckle down and do it and um, and fire them and get somebody else in there. And, yes, sometimes it is going to cost you more total dollars to do that uh, because of the things that you said. I've already paid for materials. I've already maybe let them get ahead of me on their labor draws, that sort of thing. But when you compare that to the cost of sitting on it for months and months and months before it, maybe it gets done, um, there really is no other way to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And generally, listeners, they don't come back. Just FYI, right. just just so you know. <laughs> no. Or they might come back for a day and then they disappear again. And you know, it's yeah. yeah. Yes, and 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 you said something really important there uh, that 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 some listeners may not have caught, which is the idea of a contractor quote getting ahead of you. Explain okay. that. Okay, one of the things that you have to be really really careful about is not letting a contractor get ahead of you, what's called get ahead of you. In other words, that you have paid them for more than the work that they have actually done. So there's a concept, uh, particularly on like your general contractor and the people that are going to be there for a longer time, of draws. And that's that's a valid point. You know, if it's going to be a six-week project, you really can't ask them to wait until the end of six weeks to be paid. So they will uh, be eligible for weekly or progress draws. It might not be weekly. It might be when you are done with this particular phase, I will, you know, I will pay you 20% of the total labor cost, something along that line. But you need to have milestones in there of how you're going to measure uh, a particular project. And just because it's Friday doesn't mean that anything's been done. Mm -hmm. So uh, things have to be done in order to be paid for that, for that particular progress. Getting ahead would be if they were only 30% done with the project, but you have paid them 50 or 60% because you haven't, you know, paid attention to this. So that's what's referred to as uh, getting ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that, that I actually do is I actually try to stay a little bit ahead of them, if you will. So, you know, when you're 30% done with the project, you get paid 25%. Um, one of the, the – when you work out the math toward the end – I want to make sure that I'm holding 20 to 25% of the total labor portion 
until the job is done, 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 signed off, any inspections. All I've done my walkthrough. Everything cleaned removed. Up. Yeah. All that before you get to the final 20 to 25% of the contract. Mm-hmm. Now, certainly not to cast dispersions on all contractors everywhere because there are some very good ones yes, out there. Um, I have noticed that if I finish paying out the contractor before the work site is cleaned up and everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be, the cleanup never gets done. Right. There's always that, right. uh, you know, just pay me today. I'll be, I'll send the guys back tomorrow. And, you know, they're very convincing or you wouldn't write them the check. And right. then um, there's no tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes and you end up cleaning it up yourself. And uh, these sorts of things are sometimes hard to understand and hard to deal with for someone who is used to getting paid every Friday. You know, many, right. many of us work in jobs where Friday comes, it's payday. Friday comes, it's payday. And to understand, uh, it's just basic human nature that if I've done half a job and gotten paid for 100% of it and another job comes up and I have to start right away to get that one, I already got fully paid for this one. I can come back to it any time or not. I've already been fully paid. It doesn't matter. And uh, just just sort of uh, understanding the natural psychology there and not tempting your contractor to do things like that uh, is one of the lessons that you learn pretty quickly mm-hmm. if you are and the hard way usually and the hard way doing lots of rehabs now let's talk about this idea of contractors having contracts okay because uh when i when i get when i get a bid on a job it usually comes in the form of a one-page thing that says we will do x y and z and it will cost you this and that's right. about all it says right and that's that's really more their estimate or a quote mm-hmm. um it's not really a contract although some of them will have some contract language in there. But one of the things that I insist upon is that we use my contract. And my contract's about uh, four or five pages long. Uh, I think it's 23 clauses, if I remember. And it goes through all the things that Vina was talking about. You know, when are you starting? When are you finishing? What's the cost? How many people will you have on site? How many hours a day? Um, Penalties for not being done on time. A payment schedule. Of course, the legal stuff in there about, you know, this is under Ohio law or, you know, whatever. But uh, it actually spells out very succinctly exactly what is expected from both parties. And it's very, it's actually a very fair contract, but it does put down in words what most contractors have never even thought to put down in words. It's protecting them as well as protecting me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just, it's a meeting of the minds and this is what, what the contract is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, another experience that folks have when they are dealing on a more informal basis, <laughs> you know, we, mm-hmm. we, we agreed you were going to put this kitchen in, so go What's put the kitchen in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, is that um, people forget what the terms were. I mean, so if you're rehabbing a, f- a whole house, it could take mm-hmm. eight or ten weeks from the time you, quote, make the contract until the time it's all done. Right. And you may forget what was said. They may forget what what it was said. Uh, putting all this down not only reminds them that they said they were going to be done by X date, and if they weren't mm-hmm. done by X date, it was going to cost them $150 a day. Right. It also reminds you, because sometimes I go back at my contract and I find out my memory was wrong, right. not right. theirs. Right. And specifically what you're talking about there is what's called the scope of work, which is an addendum to the actual agreement, which spells out um, exactly what it is that we're going to do. You know, we're going to replace the cabinets and the countertops, or maybe we're only going to replace the countertops, 
Um, are we going to uh, tear out and install new drywall, or are we just going to skim coat drywall, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it spells out very clearly what it is. And, and one of the important things there is to actually uh, work through that with your contractor. Okay, you can come up with your preliminary scope of work, but then walk through the house with the contractor, and they're going to see things that you didn't see or um, question how you've defined what it is that needs to be done. So you can just get to the point where you have a good, clear understanding of this is exactly what's going to be done. And one of the nice things that you can do with that side of it is actually attach prices to the line items. So installing the kitchen's cabinets is worth $400. Uh, skim coating the, the drywall is $275. Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And then that makes it very easy to do your, your draws because you say, okay, this line, this line, and this line are done. Therefore, it's you know, $1,247 that you get this week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So again, uh, you can download that contract by going to askvina.com. There will be no charge for that for real life real estate listeners. We got an email from Martha saying, hey, Vina, can I have the contractor contract, please? Uh, no, don't send me an email. <laughs> Go to askvina.com. Askvina.com. It's a website. And right up at the top, it says, get your contractor contract here. And you put your name and email in and we'll pop it back to you. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> thank you for your interest, though, Martha. Just go back there and, and get it. Uh, Real Life Real Estate Investing, 877-772-9658. If you'd like to call in with a question about working with contractors, or you can send us an email to askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Jerry Fink, who is speaking uh, about um, this topic tomorrow at Cincinnati RIA, if you're going to be in the area. Uh, But we are talking today about how to deal with contractors and also taking your questions on that topic um you can call us at 877-772-9658 i'm getting a message from my gmail address that they are having trouble uh with their server so that may not be the way to send an email today it may be to go to askvina.com and uh fill in the question box there because this is uh, the gmail thing's just not working i don't know if we've got any questions or not i've got this little error message on here so go to askvina.com there's also in addition to the uh <laughs> to the um uh sorry i just got a funny question and i got distracted uh there's a in addition to the place where you can download a free contractor agreement there's also a place where you can ask questions uh, did just get a question from Diane K in Columbus. Jerry, do you have a clone in the Columbus area? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> and if he does, I'm using him. <laughs> Diane. Uh, actually, uh, Jerry is going to be doing a, a series of one-day events that are uh, property tours. You're actually going to take right. people out and look at houses right. and say, let me tell you what I do here, and let me tell you what it would cost me, and why I wouldn't do this, and so on. Uh, there's going to be one in Cincinnati on November the 17th and one in Columbus on December the 7th. And for, uh, uh, Sorry, 16th and 17th is the date Correct. in Cincinnati. Uh, you can get more information about the Cincinnati event at uh, CincinnatiRIA.com and on the Columbus event at CentralOhioRIA.com. Uh, so, Diane, you will have a chance to pick Jerry's brain in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just not going to get him to come up there and uh, help you. He's a little busy down here. Just a bit. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Jerry, we're talking about 
this whole series of things that goes on with contractors. There's right. the there's the hiring, right. and you said you already told us how to how to get some leads on good contractors. Uh, there's the process of now we need to agree on a price and get a contract. And then there's the whole issue of what could happen next. Now, we actually got a question a couple of weeks ago from one of our uh, listeners in uh, on, the, on the West Coast who said that he had a contractor that he fully paid to do a job. Wow. <laughs> went to sell the house. And at the at, when the title search was done to sell the house, found out that the contractor had placed a lien on the property as if he had not been paid. Is there some way to avoid that? No, there's no way to avoid it. Um, but I talked earlier about the lien waiver. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the form at the end of the contract. Um, and literally you exchange pieces of paper. You sign my lien waiver, I sign your check. And that's how that works. And if I have a lien against the house and I take a lien waiver to a judge, um, 99.9% chance that it's going to get thrown out. There's really nothing you can do to keep people from filing lawsuits, filing liens, all that kind of stuff. But having your ducks in a row is absolutely the best way to defend against that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lien waiver is something that uh, listeners could get, what, off the internet, going to an attorney? What? Um, yeah, it's it's a very it's actually a very very simple form. Um, I don't have one in front of me right this minute, but basically says, you know, the original amount of our contract is this. You were paid this. Uh, I've been paid in full, and I agree not to uh, file any um, lien against the the property described as follows. Mm-hmm. Um, each of you sign it, and that's pretty much what a lien waiver is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we have a follow-up question here from Cynthia in Chicago. She says, similar to the fellow on the West Coast, I finished paying out a contractor, and then I found out that his subcontractors had all filed liens against my property because they had not been paid. It was the agreement that he was going to pay them, not me. Is there anything okay. I can do? This is where the independent contractor services agreement is extremely important because one of the main clauses in there is that I am contracting with you, okay, Mr. Contractor. If you have subcontractors, you are responsible for paying them. So again, there's nothing to keep them from filing that lien against your property, but when you go to court with that properly executed uh, contract, it's going to get thrown out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is... Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jerry. You have done many, many, many more full-blown rehabs than I do, than I have. But it has been my experience that this is not something that you can set it and forget it. You don't you don't sign this contract, walk away from your house for six weeks, and come back and oh, see no. if the work is done. <laughs> <laughs> there's no. there's there's um, there's always going to be some supervision that you have to do. Right. Now, how what what sort of thing do you recommend that? listeners do with their contractors, assuming they do have a, an adult contractor who's not calling them every 10 minutes and right. saying, oh, yeah, I can't get along with my subcontractor. What do they still need to do? Okay. You still need to be on site from time to time uh, to answer questions, You know, just kind of go through, make sure things are, are being done as you want them and expect them to be. Uh, one of my kind of rules of thumb is if on an active rehab, I try to make sure I'm on site at least twice a week. And the other side of that is it's unannounced when I'm coming. And there's a there's some reasons for that too. Uh, if, if they don't know when I'm gonna show up, 
they're going to be there and they're going to be working because you just don't know when I might show up. But it is very, very important that you do have some face time um, on the project, um, answer any questions, go through things. Um, it's just it's just a very necessary part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the better your contractors, the less you're going to be involved like that. But still, it's very important that you that you show up and uh, you know just kind of check in and make sure everything's good. I'm usually not on site more than thirty minutes um, those two times a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, if your impression, listeners, is that retailing is as simple as buy a house, hire somebody, go away, come back, and it's done, uh, it unfortunately rarely works that way. Which is why you get paid the big bucks for retailing right. houses if you've. Right you've done it correctly you're listening to real life real estate investing if you have questions for jerry fink you can give us a call at 877-772-9658 or you can go to askvina.com uh one other quick announcement Uh, we have a an opportunity for you to win a free pass for two people to the 2013 National New Strategies Conference that you've heard about over and over again here on Real Life Real Estate. Uh, We're running a contest via our Facebook page and all you have to do is go like the Facebook page and then enter the contest. That's all there is to it and you could be uh, the person who is whose name is drawn for a free pass for two for all four days. To do that go to bit.ly slash OREA. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash, and you must capitalize O-R-E-I-A. That is case sensitive. Capital O, capital R, capital E, capital I, capital A. And in about a week, we will draw a name out of the hat and uh, see who won a free pass for that awesome four-day event. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go to WMKVFM.org. Check it out. It's about halfway down the page. Um, Okay, so... um, other common problems that you have seen or heard about with contractors that our listeners need to know about? Um, you run into any any number of things. Um, we've touched on a lot of them. You know, not showing up, not um, not being on site enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's another one that you, you kind of uh, have to really stay on top of. Um, you mentioned in, in my contract is the, uh, the penalty clause. It basically says, you know, I will be done on November 3rd, and every day after November 3rd, it costs me $100 per day. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's, it's interesting when you, when you kind of negotiate that through with a the, with the contractor the first time because some of them will not want to sign that. And, of course, your question is, well, did you have any intention of, be, <laughs> of being done on November 3rd? Um, and the other thing I do is I, I usually give them a little bit of leeway. If they say it's, they'll be done on the 3rd, I'll give them until the 5th or the 6th, just you know, to give them a little bit of leeway. And you know, I'm reasonable about that. You know, if, um, you know, if, for instance, if there's a, an absolute blizzard okay, and nobody can work for three days, I'm going to extend that. You know, that's, that's just the right thing to do. But um, but if if all it is is you just not getting there and working, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's <laughs> that's the way it works. And if you're not willing to sign that contract, you know, I don't think you're serious. Now the other side that you kind of lead into there is is the concept of uh, change orders. So you know we've gone through we've done this this initial contract. We've said here's the scope of work and here's the cost. But once you get into the project, something comes up that's you know outside of scope. Uh, and one of the, the best examples that I have ever run into personally, I had a house over in, in Ludlow on the other side of the river here. And um, 
the contractor, when, when we walked through it, we noticed that the kitchen floor was kind of soft. And uh, we thought, okay, we're going to have to replace the subfloor. Well, once they got into it, he calls me. He says, you really need to come over here and look at this. And it wasn't that the subfloor was soft. as It was that the subfloor was holding up what was left of the floor joists. And it, it was a situation where it was a crawl space that you could not see into. And until we pulled the subfloor, you really could not tell the uh, the rot that had happened to the, the joists. So we did a change order to change the cost and the scope you know, to accommodate that. And that's that's just the right thing to do just from a business perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. well but what what when what it what when what about when the change order yeah. <laughs> is something that they could have seen or should have seen because, you know, many of our listeners are not as an, as experienced as you are. Right. And there there are certain things that a good contractor should notice before the contract is signed. Absolutely. And, and we hear that all the time. You know, the contractor said, I said, I said, put on uh, countertops. And then after we signed the contractor, the con uh, at the contract, the contractor came back and said, oh, well, the bottoms of all the kitchen cabinets are rotten. Well, and I know perfectly well he looked in there. Why was that not there in the first place? Well, you expect them to catch, you know, as much as the, of that as they can with a, a reasonable inspection. And that's why I use the example of the crawl space where you really couldn't tell that until you got into it. But pretty much my stance is if it's something that you should have seen as you were going through and doing your walkthrough, um, that's part of your that's part of your bid, you know, mm-hmm. unless it is something that truly is out of scope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my my favorite example of of that kind of change order that seemed like it should have been caught is mm-hmm. um, I, I had a contractor years ago that agreed to to paint five rooms at $200 a room or something like that and then called back screaming bloody murder about two days later I mean like like opened the phone conversation with obscenities <laughs> mm-hmm. because the rooms were painted a very very dark color they were like dark navy blue or something and he said it took two coats of kills and three coats of paint and it's you know I'm not gonna make any money on this job and but you're the painter. And you should have known that. Right. I didn't know it was. Right. I've never painted a dark blue room. I assume you have in the past. Try, try a dark red room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So there's, you know, there's reasonable and there's unreasonable. And uh, I think sticking to your guns and sticking to the contract. Right is an important part of dealing with these folks over and over again. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're talking today about dealing with contractors. You can give us a call with your questions at 877-772-9658 or send an email by going to askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're talking today to Jerry Fink, who is a longtime rehabber, oftentimes guest on the program over the years, and he's trying to tackle in about 45 minutes here one of the toughest things that that we deal with as real estate investors, and that is understanding the contractors, dealing with the contractors, um, unfortunately firing them when necessary, which sadly is necessary more often than we would like it to be. We're also taking your questions at 877-772-9658 or via our website at askvina.com. We just got a question from Russ in Dallas. He says, I'm not understanding if Jerry is agreeing to a per hour cost or a job cost Mm. on this. Very, very good point there. Very, very, very rarely 
do I do hourly type of contracts. Um, sometimes just for little handyman stuff, I will do, you know, the hourly. But anything that's one of these big full-blown rehabs, I'm talking time and materials, fixed cost, unless we mutually agree to a change order. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the cost is $22,400 all in. Whether it takes you 12 hours a day to do that or four hours a day to do exactly. that during the period of time. Right. That... And that's a very, 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 very good point because if you, you know, if you do the the hourly thing uh, on on a project of any size, um, obviously there's no there's no motivation for them to get done, mm-hmm. and um, the the project drags drags out not only from a a time standpoint, but then you know you start multiplying you know twenty twenty two twenty five dollars an hour, um, you know it gets big bucks real quick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the only people I know who pay uh, rehab laborers by the hour are people who are standing there with them. <laughs> yeah, you have to be on site if you're going to do that. That's absolutely true. Yeah, it might yeah. It, it might enti- it might be the case that your general contractor is paying his guys by the yes. hour, but that's because he's there and he's whipping them to work when they, right. you know, want to take the hour long smoke and, break. And or I'm whatever. actually I'm actually aware of generals who pay their employees by the job. You know, mm-hmm. this room pays three hundred dollars. Hang it, tape it, paint it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, this room pays three hundred bucks if it takes you one day or a week. And Russ has a follow-up question. He says, I think I heard somewhere that the contractor should buy their own materials, something to do with the IRS. Is that true or not? <laughs> okay. This is a, a running conversation that I have with that other national guru that uh, you've probably heard say that. Um, what that relates to is there are, there are nine specific things that the IRS will look at to determine if a person is a, an independent contractor or an employee. One of those things is if they purchase materials, if they supply materials. Um, so you got two options here. One is um, you, you just kind of do a, an all-in contract and you know take your chance on that because if this person you know does the other things, works for other people, uh, sets their own hours, supplies their own tools, uh, I can't remember what all nine of them are off the top of my head. But if they do, you know, seven of the nine things on their own, they're independent contractors, you know. The other thing that you can do is you can actually um, still have your your fixed price contract, and in that contract is a labor portion and a materials portion. And um, you actually create the the bill of materials, the the materials that are going to be used on this particular job, and you buy them and have them delivered on site. Um, that's the other way around it, and that's that's actually the way that I most commonly do it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is where I'm actually buying materials, and then I have a labor contract for uh, the other side of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, Russ, you need to be aware that when the contractor buys the materials, they generally are going to charge an override on nope. the materials. <laughs> so, An upcharge on the materials, yeah. So it's going to cost you a little bit more to do it that way, and if you're a member of a of a National RIA chapter organization and you have that that deal where the uh there's the cash back at home depot thing uh you probably want to be put them on your credit card in that case uh so uh yeah appreciate your question russ and uh, if you have a last minute question for jerry you need to go to askvina.com and ask it right now um now jerry i know you've got 90 minutes tomorrow night at Cincinnati Rhea to right. go through in a, in a much more organized fashion a lot of the stuff that we've touched on today. But uh, I know that one of your one of your favorite things to talk about in talking about 
rehabs and the rehabbing business is the idea of the must be, could be, should be done. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. All right. Um, And where this comes into play a lot is um, there's a difference in whether you're rehabbing a house to be a rental or whether you're rehabbing a house to be a a retail sale. You're going to sell it to an end homeowner. And what comes into play there is what are you going to do? And there are things that have to be done. If there's a hole in the roof, it doesn't matter whether it's a, a rental or a retail. You have to fix that. And it's going to cost the same amount, whether and it's, going it's to cost a rental or essentially rehab. Essentially the same amount, yes. So things like that have to be done. If um, if there are appliances that don't work, they have to be you know changed out. So those are, those are the types of things that have to be done. Those are the easy things to see. The next things are... Um, fall into the category of what should be done. And this is your your fit and finish type things. What type of flooring should you put in? If I'm in a, a rental, I might put in um, uh, a pergo, a, a laminate floor type of uh, situation, uh, or in some cases, paint a floor. Uh, if I'm in a nicer uh, area, nicer home that I'm trying to retail, I'll do carpet much more than I will you know, the laminates, although the laminates have become so nice now that I'm actually <laughs> using those quite a bit even in nicer homes. Uh, but um, what type of a what type of a tub are you going to put in? Is it just going to be a standard tub or are you going to put a Whirlpool tool in, tub in? Um, things like that. Uh, what type of kitchen cabinets are you going to use? Is it just going to be your basic um, low-end cabinet or are you going to put a nicer, are you going to put a, a, a birch or a beach uh, cabinet in? Are you going to do laminate countertops you're going to do granite countertops so that gets into the should be you know the the fit and fit and, fit and finish if i could say that um and then the third category is what could be done and this is um this is where you look at the house and say what could i do to make it more valuable is there a place where i could add a second bathroom could i take an attic and convert it into additional living space um i had one a couple years ago where we actually lowered the ceiling on the first floor to give us enough room in the what was the attic to create a full bedroom and a uh, and a loft, a computer loft. Uh, added probably twenty twenty five thousand dollars to the cost or to the value of the home for a, about a ten thousand dollar cost. So those are the things that you look at. Can I can I claim basement space? Can I claim a um, a porch and actually enclose it and heat it and make it true living space? So those are the things that could be done uh, to make the house more valuable. What you have to be careful of is that you don't over-improve for the area or for the price point that you're, you're going to be able to get for the house. It kind of doesn't matter what you do to a house. You can still only get so much money for it in a particular neighborhood. You know, a 3-2 in a particular neighborhood is still only going to bring a certain price, even if it is way over-improved for that particular neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So understanding the, the cost-benefit of that is very important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all decisions that should be made prior to bringing the yes. contractor in because when you decide after he's already finished the bedroom that now you'd like to squeeze a bath in there, it's more expensive. <laughs> yeah. you are going to significantly increase your costs and uh, also probably not make the contractor too terribly happy. But these, these good contractors, actually, as you're doing your walkthrough with them, can see that kind of thing and actually suggest. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and I had one, um, unfortunately, uh, he lives too far away from me now, but he was really good about looking at a house and saying, you know, if we move this wall, we could make that into another bedroom and add a bathroom. 
I could do that for about, you know, four or five thousand bucks. It would increase the value of this house by twenty thousand dollars. He understood what the opposite side of it was. So he was very, very useful in that uh, respect instead of just trying to bump up his contract price. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Yes, good contractors are awesomely valuable and um, bad ones are awesomely difficult <laughs> both right. on your right. psyche and your pocketbook. But uh, if you want to take the first step in uh, getting the right contractor, you can start by getting the right contractor agreement by going to askvina.com and filling out the email response form. Uh, we will pop that right back to you, and uh, that'll get you a start in understanding what it is your contractor should be doing for you. And um, as Jerry said, folks who aren't willing to sign that probably aren't planning on doing the job the way you expect them to do it. Uh, You can also come and see Jerry tomorrow at Cincinnati RIA. Uh, You can get more information about that at CincinnatiRIA.com. He's also doing an all-day seminar, or really a two-day seminar on November 16th and 17th here in Cincinnati through Cincinnati RIA. Information about that at CincinnatiRIA.com. And in Columbus on December the 7th, you can get information on that from CentralOhioRIA.com. Don't forget to enter our Facebook contest. Go to bit.ly forward slash capital O, capital R, capital E, capital I, capital A. That spells O-R-E-A. And uh, like the page, enter the contest, you could win free tickets for two people to the 2013 National New Strategy Summit here in Cincinnati on November 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. And uh, we'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.